every Arizona homeowner's best friend. And it all has to do with you. Thanks for tuning in. It's Rosie on the house. Your weekend wake-up tradition. Come on around back, Arizona. It's Saturday morning, 8 o'clock, the outdoor living hour here at Rosie on the house. Your Saturday morning tradition since 1988. We have a great lineup of hosts that come in for the outdoor living hour. If you follow along in the whole maintenance calendar, you know, we, first Saturday we're doing Farm Fresh. Second Saturday we're talking trees. Third Saturday we've got notes for the nursery. Fourth Saturday, urban farming. But what happens on these fifth Saturdays of the month where they come along a few times a year? Well, that's our opportunity to cover something specific and unique about the uh, our Arizona outdoors. And our special guest today, we've got Jennifer, who's traveled around the botanical gardens. I would like some more assignments like this. I'll take some more <laughs> Fifth Saturdays. What a treat. What a treat. So uh, it's really fun to tell everybody you're, you're out on assignment and you're actually at the Botanical Garden, right? That, that's a good assignment. <laughs> so yes. I, I took the time to go to two of our Botanical Gardens here on the desert floor. One, Desert Botanical Gardens, and the other, Boyce Thompson Arboretum. So I wanted to start by talking about the Desert Botanical Garden for lots of reasons. Um, it is the closest one. Where? In the Phoenix area. So if you uh, you know live in the Phoenix area, you know where the zoo is. Desert Botanical Garden is nestled between the zoo and those Papago Buttes that are very red there. So it's kind of it's a very flat area. You do get the sense of being down in, though, and it's shady. There are some bridges over washes. You know, it's just really inviting. It is um, 85 years old, the Desert Botanical Gardens there, the Phoenix one. And it was started by the Arizona Cactus and Native Flora Society in 1937. Can you imagine what it looked like then? <laughs> people probably thought, what are you doing? But it was people who really appreciated. It was a gentleman that actually just knew how important it was to preserve the desert plants. <clears throat> and so it started this little society and it grew from there. Um, but it is a powerful campus. It is more than just, you know, the center and the grounding and the vision is all about the plants, but it's also a venue, many venues. It is a lot of interesting hardscapes. It is um, a great walkable uh, morning, and the plants are, there are, there is a emphasis on the Sonoran Desert, but there are plants from all over the world. So you will find structures of shade over large amounts of plants and um so and you even see some wildlife i ran into a roadrunner <laughs> i tried to get a picture but he was way too fast for me well we've told people for years when they're new to arizona if you want to get an idea of what plants work well go walk the botanical garden that's right and it so it gives you a great idea what's nice about that is um you get to see the plants Large, you know, when you go to a nursery, you just have a little yeah, pot, right. right? That's right. And so you get to see what happens when a plant matures and how big it is and how what it needs to survive and um, how, and to survive well. And you know, the, both of the both the desert botanical garden and the arboretum are very very concerned about um, water and using plants that you know agree with our climate plus don't take a lot of water. And they are both extremely beautiful. So. It's a great, great way to go get those ideas. And I would tell Arizona homeowners, it's worth becoming a member just to get on their mailing list. For You mentioned the fact that it's a venue of many things. They've got some great activities all through the year, little concerts, of course, the Christmas. 
Luminarios. Luminarios uh, are just some. But some of the walking concert evenings there are some of the nicest evenings you and I have spent under the Arizona sky. They're just fabulous events. Well, right now it's high season. The flowers are gorgeous. There's lots of weddings and events going on. So um, it's kind of a busy place. But there's always a reason to go. So even in the summer, you're going to have chances to go with your flashlight and go at night. They have uh, flashlight tours. Um, there's education all year round. We'll talk a little bit more about that. Um, but there's just and there's, they open early so you can get in there and, and get out before it's too hot. But there's 4,400 species, and 400 of those are rare. There's 27,000 plants, and the agaves agaves have 212 species. They have 186 of them. So it's just it's just really a great place. So there's all kinds of reasons to go. It's very inspiring. You go in there and you think, wow, you know, you just you, you're right in the middle of the city and you step into the garden, and it's a just a great little um, restoration place right there in the middle of of all that activity. And you just forget about everything. Leave your clock. Leave your cell phone. <laughs> do take your camera, and maybe a friend. But it's also um, even no matter how crowded it is, there are wonderful little places to sit, and you can just sit, and, and it's very quiet. Um, and, you know, so it's Open eight to eight daily. That's what you see in there? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I did want to say, even if you're a member, um, they've done something new, and I am a member. And But even if you're a member, you have to make an appointment to go in because they do limit the number of people that come in. So if I just walk up with my pass and they've already f- hit capacity – I'm not getting in even as a member. So that's a new, that's pretty new and pretty important, pretty significant if you're taking the time to go down there. So call ahead you have is to, what you're well, saying. You can go <laughs> online and you can make an appointment, and then you just have your little paper that says, I get to come in today. So I signed up for um, a tour, and the one that worked for me was called um, Behind the Scenes. And so it's not something, obviously, that you would see every day, but I ended up getting a one-on-one tour because nobody else showed up, even though it was a full tour, so it was kind of fun. But they take you back behind. Um, there's a gate, right, and you go back in there, and there's all kinds of research that goes on. Um, they have pl- they have two big, or I guess three, huge um, greenhouses, mostly cactus and succulents from all over the world, and they do lots of research. Um, a lot of it's, you know, I, I learned a lot. <laughs> I heard a lot. I don't know how I actually learned it, but very fascinating. Um, and just uh, they have they have created a little um, very simple. I mean, you could do this with your kids. A little simple stand that has lights around it where they heat up a space. So um, and it's outside. So you put the plants out there. And what if the climate got this much hotter? Or what if the nights were this much colder? So they put the plants in to find out what their range is and what effect climate has on them. So that's one really cool thing they do. They trade plants all over the world. They have, um, oh, I have a new word for you. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, gosh. Scissorism? Uh. <laughs> no, it's not that one. I may, have to, I may have to look it up on the break. But it's, they actually take specimens and they, um, of these plants and they preserve them. So it's kind of like a little mortuary thing for plants okay. from all over the world so that they could always go back and study the plants. They're scientists on, on the grounds full time. So it's, it's a really kind of happening place. But the really cool thing about this whole area, it's quite a large area, is it's full of sustainable um, features. I, I put up on Facebook this morning, they have a block wall where they took cinder block that was used, you know, and they kind of broke it up and they put it into a wall that's gorgeous. They have the... Yeah, they actually halved. The eight eight sixteens, 
and, and use the web facing out as a as a part of the architectural feature. Yeah, so it's real chunky you, looking. And you showed me that picture, but I did not realize that was at the Botanical Garden. Yeah. Okay. Then they had like the gabion walls, which I love. You know, it's the wire with the big rock, and they went to Kingman to get the get the rock. And so it's this beautiful red that kind of complements the buttes. And you know what they did? Those look a lot better than just a block wall. I think so, too. I thought they'd be cheaper, but I guess they're not. (laughs) It's a lot of labor. Yeah. It's a lot of labor. And you say wire, but, I mean, it's usually a rebar, and it's welded, and it's colored to match whatever rock you're putting in. Um, And if you want to keep a consistent look, you know, most of it's not just river rock that they pick up out of the bottom of the salt. Like you said, they had to bring it in from Kingman. Yeah. Think about how many truckloads that took to fill up that entire wall. Uh, But there's a number of different places around the Arizona uh, and the roadways that are under reconstruction and being rebuilt where they're putting those in, and they look so much better than just a a block or a concrete tilt wall that lines all the freeways right now, replacing it with those gabion walls is really nice well one extra thing they did that you'll see on facebook i had never seen this done they took potted uh agave or um and succulents and stuck the pots in the gabion wall oh nice and so they're you know have you ever seen those plant walls that you see and you go oh we can't do those in arizona it's too dry well they put the you know an arid plant sideways so it's growing out of the wall so i would like to try that and see how long they you could get him to it was just gorgeous absolutely gorgeous especially on like the north side where it would have a little shade and mm-hmm. natural natural protection from the sun i had not seen that uh done before but i gotta look that that sounds really very cool well they also have a beautiful office building right on the in that back secret spot and it's all um it's l-e-e-d is that you say that lead like lead certified yes. yeah so um that just means it fits in the environment and makes very little impact it's faces north and south on the south side there are very just slits for windows with like blinders on them so that the wind sun cannot come directly in and then on the front side it's almost all glass and it's absolutely beautiful Absolutely beautiful. So that is, that's inspiring if that's the kind of thing that interests you. And then they also had a huge system of um, rain gutters and capturing. Uh, rain harvesting? And, yes. It was just mind-boggling. They were so, the, the vats were so big, I wanted to ask him, and I didn't think to ask him, did they ever, ever get full? Because <laughs> they're great. They were very optimistic about how much rain, apparently. <laughs> yeah. And lead applies to anything, uh, housing or landscape. It's leadership and Energy and environmental design. So anytime you're incorporating natural elements in landscape or building, there's a, quote, LEED certification that you can follow. Some of it uh, doesn't make sense, but they do a pretty good job. Well, back in this segment, in this area also, is where they have all the classes. And the classes are pretty phenomenal. You can take everything from, you know, just basic gardening. They have um, raised bed gardens set up. And you, real... you can see those classes on their website, You right? can, though. I, I'm not sure how current they are. There's, a, there's about six or seven that are free. Just okay. Like one's about house plants, one's about gardening, just really simple little classes. You can just – you have to sign up, but they're free. And then there's – but you can take a master gardener class, and it's 800 bucks. But but it's a long – you know, it's, it's a full course – on when, on the online it said they're not um, meeting in person, but the man I was who gave me the tour said that this is where it all happens. So I'm, huh. I think you just have to call and ask. But they have all kinds of cool classes. They also have lots of things for children. You know, when we were homeschooling, we took kids down there for for classes, and they they would learn 
about the plants and stuff. So they're very educational. They're very, um, you know, it's, it's beautiful. It's inspiring. It's educational. It's peaceful. I yeah, nice little gift shop. A beautiful gift shop. You know, at, you, right. you, we're never there where we don't st- duck in there and pick something up for one of the grandkids or and a nice couple of little restaurants too. Nah, a couple of nice little restaurants. See, there. I was going to mention Gertrude's, but yes. did you eat? <laughs> I did not. I was too uh, too busy looking. Uh, the Arizona Botanical Garden. Born a poor young country boy, mother son. All day long, I'm sitting singing songs for everyone. That's that's what walking the botanical garden makes you feel like. Right? I was going to say the huh? same. Yeah, it was my John Denver moment. It was wonderful. Yeah. Yeah, it was absolutely so peaceful. Yeah. So uh, Rosie leaves town for a week. And everybody divvies up their assignments, and Jennifer picks a couple field trips. She says, I'll do this. <laughs> Runs out of the office, spends a day at the Arizona Botanical Garden. She's sharing with us her impressions. It's not like it's been her first time there, but it's the first time there just to kind of really walk it and learn it. We're usually there just walking it and appreciating it. And to be able to share it, you know, to try to paint a picture that makes people really want to go. It's close by. It's beautiful. If you get a membership, it pays for itself in like a time or two, and then you get a pass or two for some friends, and you can just go and enjoy it. You don't feel like you have to take in the whole thing. It is huge, and there are so many different loops. You can do like a butter. They actually have a butterfly garden right now going on until I think it's two more weeks. Um, But just the, the loops that you do are different kinds of plants, plants that would attract pollinators, plants that would be, you know, great for, um, just different settings in your desert landscape. So it's just, and then there's things from across the world. You just, it takes more than one time to go. I didn't realize they were doing as much research behind the gate as you were talking about, as far as the propagating plants and. Yeah. So um, Romy was mentioning the gabion. Is that how you say it? Gabion walls along the uh, highways and stuff. But another thing, when when you drive by new road construction, you will notice that they take all the plants from that area, put them in boxes and, and set them on the property. And a lot of those, so the box, it's just called big box technology. And right. they used to just like, you know, chop up a little bit and, of dirt and take the plants and they would die. They didn't realize how vast the root systems are. So when you put these boxes and give it the roots more room to be, to come up with the plant, they survive better. And so they, um, the road crews have to pull, or the government of course has to pull the permits to take those plants. Well, a lot of those plants go to the botanical garden. They don't like to waste anything because um, they're, well, prickly pear apparently doesn't count because it's pretty prolific. <laughs> but, but things like saguaros and mesquite trees and palo verdes, to grow those things from seed is, you know, <laughs> it's just very hard and takes a very long time. So if they can, you know, recycle these plants that have come out and preserve them and save them, that's one of the ways that they can give back. Um, the Botanical Garden does have plant sale. You know, they have plants for sale all the time, and then they have a big plant sale or two during the year where you can go down and and pick and get their plants, which is a great way to provide don't greens they, for your garden. Don't they usually give you a, a chance to uh, jump on a little Mother's Day sale this time of year? Mother's Day sale, 10% off if you buy a membership by May 14th. So that's also a great reason to get a membership right now. I took my mom down uh, last year, and she just... She was just awestruck. And the other thing that's really, really wonderful is they have artwork all through the garden. Chew Lily, 
the the is that the right way to say it, Chula? The glass. The glass maker from Seattle. We uh, the Desert Botanical Garden has actually um, bought some pieces, and so they're there permanently, and they greet you at the gate at the front walkway, and they're huge green um, agave plants in all shades of green, uh, and they're just right there as you walk in. And right now we have a, a an artist there, Roe Trout, and she's a German woman, and she lives part-time in, in Phoenix, and her work is there, and it's very, very colorful, and it's just there for another week or so. But um, if you get down this and week— And what is it? Is it canvas work? No, it's all—it's it? it's hard to explain. It's very, very bold and colorful um, in their— uh, Statues? Their statues, sculpture. Okay. You would call oh, it a sculpture. sculpture. Okay. And it's just kind of cool because she lives here, and it's her work. Um, so that's another reason to go. But I, I would just encourage you, if you could go in the next week or two, you'll really get to see a lot. There's still a lot of blooms, even though it's starting to warm up. I think we have 100 degrees tomorrow, but then it's going to go back down. So we have a little more time to get to enjoy. And the Palo Verdes have just blossomed. Have you noticed that the saguaro flowers are They're just to trying the little, the little buds. I'm seeing quite a bit of them on the tops. Those are usually the last ones to really bloom out. June is, is our, generally speaking, our best month for the white saguaro blooms. You know, and Romy, speaking of that, you know how you have your yard to, to your trees that produce all through the year? You know, um, different. Not natives, yeah, but yeah, they're right, apples right. and oranges and uh, pomegranates. Nuts. Yeah. <laughs> they were just mentioning, the docent yesterday was mentioning that the wildflowers are like that. They don't all bloom at once. They come in different. So if you were to go, you know, several times in a row, you get to see. You know, progression. What, yeah, and then you could pick things for your yard that were always in there's bloom. A, for the natives, there's a time that the oranges are out. There's a time that the purples are out. There's a time that the yellows are out. Mm-hmm. And the whites from the saguaros. Yeah. So that would be a fun thing to, to have your yard always blooming something beautiful. Sounds like successive rightling. You know, if, <laughs> if I could <laughs> – I'm not a fan of additional laws or regulations or anything. But if I could change anything about – uh, master plan communities in Arizona. Every landscape architect for a master plan community would have to design it off of something at the Botanical Gardens or we're going to be talking about Boyce Thompson Arboretum or the Sonoran Museum out of Tucson. You know, They would have to go to these native or at least uh, desert arid museums before they just come in here and put lawn and ficus. It just looks so ugly. <laughs> Gosh, no, Romy, don't insult Dirks Bentley. <laughs> That's Dirks. That doesn't even sound like Dirks. Oh, wow. Well, this was recorded during the pandemic, so he's actually vocalizing from his kitchen in Nashville. So it has a weird feeling. It's a beautiful song. Yes, it is. A big part of our outdoor living segment every week is getting everybody outdoors. And so Jennifer, in particular, this week on the fifth Saturday of the month, wanted to take an opportunity to encourage you all to get out and see places and things in Arizona. Maybe you haven't had the, the time or the uh, 
the inclination to jump on. So we covered the Arizona Botanical Garden for those of you in, about, and around the greater Phoenix metro area. But then you jumped in the truck and did a little road trip. And a lot of our other outdoor living hour guests, we talk about different things as it relates to gardening and uh, growing and harvesting. And so many of these native desert plants are edibles as well. Maybe not directly to people, but they bring in the pollinators. They bring in the wildlife. They bring in uh, just so much more of the natural environment that will help support, you know, your own microclimate that you're making for your garden or orchard or, you know, whatever your backyard scheme is. Yeah. So we're going to scream up the highway. Well, we didn't scream. I saw <laughs> there was a lot of policemen oh, out. No. They were screaming at you to find the gas pedal. Yeah, Rosie, Rosie was out of town, yeah. so you know what she was driving. <laughs> so I took the Raptor and drove out 60. to You, you head uh, due east towards Globe, and it's just before you hit Superior. You just hit the Superior sign, and off on the right, there's a sign that says um, Boyce Thompson Arboretum. And it, it had been 25 years since I had been out there. Wow. And it's a it's a pretty obvious exit. Uh-huh. But if you're just looking off the way it's in Queen it. Creek, yeah. it just looks like tops of some trees that are, you know, any other Arizona wash, maybe some cottonwoods and you just oh whatever. But don't pass it by. <laughs> no. Don't pass it by. So and I was kind of like is this it? I don't remember it being so I just remember I remember how much it impacted me, so I was surprised off the highway how little impact it had. So I drove down in there and uh and it's a whole different deal. You know, the Desert Botanical Garden in Phoenix is many things. It's a campus. It's a venue. It's lots of hardscapes and stuff. When you walk into the Boyce Thompson Arboretum, it is beautiful, and it's a, it's much more just a desert feel. Um, yeah, you're under a shade canopy, like gonna, not like you are at the Desert Botanical Gardens, because a lot of there is, like you were talking about, the number of succulents and cactus and you know, I mean, these are plants that are knee or waist high at best. Uh, there's some shade structures and everything, but I mean, when you get down into the wash with all the trees, I mean, you 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 would be hard pressed to stand in the sun very long. Yeah, you can always find shade. We found we had a, I had a docent and we joined in with about ten other people, and it was supposed to be an hour tour, and we kept her too. It was just <laughs> fabulous. But Boyce Thompson, okay. So first, I wanted to tell you, even if you don't have time to go, which I hope you'll find the time to go to the arboretum. The highway itself was magnificent. The yellow in the Palo Verdes was almost like sunlight. It was almost blinding, and, and the that, trees were just bent over. That won't last long. It won't. So you need to get out. <laughs> but, you know, we're going to have 100 tomorrow, then cool back off. But get out there. You don't want to miss it. It was. I couldn't find a place to pull over to take a picture, but it was so fabulous. And you could see the higher you got. So Boyce Thompson is up a little bit off you know, higher than Phoenix. So the blooming is a little different on the saguaros is just the buds. They don't have the flowers yet. So there's still a lot of the um, floor wildflowers. I saw orange mallow, uh, blooming prickly pear, the ocotillo. I saw the biggest ocotillo mm. I've ever seen in the wild. It was gorgeous. Salvia, which is a bright pink. And then those little pale pink fairy dusters, the little feather dusters were everywhere. So it's still very colorful and very beautiful. So if you can, don't miss it. That that area, as you leave Florence Junction and are heading to Superior, you're going through an area, a little area called Gonzales Pass. And that really is one of the more beautiful desert settings of any place. And right now, with it being on fire with the Palo Verde blossoms, uh, I'd, I'd love to see it on a sunrise or, or a late afternoon sunset. It is just 
fabulous. And so you, Boyce Thompson, let's talk about him for just a minute. He was um, uh, officially Colonel William Boyce Thompson, born in 1869 and lived to 1930. And he was an engineer, but he was also a philanthropist, and he founded the Consolidated Copper Company in Globe and Miami, so, Miami, so he was very wealthy. So he, he was very convicted about the need for us to preserve plants. And so he, he bought this piece of property. He built a, um, a 7,000-square-foot home up on the side of this picket post. Is that right? Right. Yeah, that's uh, right. Or picket, yeah, picket post. Picket post. And so picket post is a little mountain, and it's, it's on the um, west side of the whole property. So the house, he put this house right there, and he looks down over this. And one of the first things he brings in is um, uh, a eucalyptus, which is not native. There are some plants that aren't native. But, Australian, so yeah. it's a very arid climate it comes from anyway. Right. So this um, – in, in 1923, that house was finished. They spent their first night in there, so they they see that as the founding day. So this coming October is 100 years for this Boyce Thompson. They're going to have a big celebration, so we'll keep you posted. Um, and so they kept bringing in plants, but this eucalyptus, Romy, that they planted is the most magnificent tree. <laughs> you stand next to it at the bottom – I, I don't know how to tell you how tall it was or how wide. It was so beautiful. And they had there was about 20 artists sitting there. They had a watercolor class um, yesterday, and everybody was sitting around drawing these beautiful trees in the shade. Um, so that's how, that's how Boyce Thompson got started. Um, but he also, one of, their, one of their emphasis, they built this home. It's not a home. They built this rock. It looks like a house kind of rock structure and on each side of it is that the one you're standing it's in the front smith of? house um uh-huh. yeah on you can see facebook a picture of it on facebook yesterday okay i was wondering where that was so there's two um greenhouses one on each end of that and one rec- rec- represents the northern hemisphere hemisphere and one the southern and the, one of their points is the fact that there's almost cor- you know corresponding plants on each hemisphere not not identical but corresponding oh so when, i didn't get a chance to walk through them but that's the emphasis of the greenhouses and they've just updated them and just put in modern sprinkling and stuff but that's also fabulous but right out in front of that and that's not the house he built no his was up on the hill his, his was a huge house yeah his was 7000 square feet this is at the bottom yeah. of the property and that home isn't there at all anymore i don't believe so yeah i don't think so either Mm-mm. There's a little okay. there's a little rock home up higher that right. it has an herb garden, but that's different. Okay. Um, so right out in front of this Smith house, this rock structure, is the Heritage Garden, and guess what? It's full of roses. <laughs> we had a conversation recently that roses don't grow so well here, but it's the Heritage Rose Garden. Well, they grow well. It's just not the most desert adapted because uh, on. Luke, well, outside of just north of Luke Air Force Base, the rose gardens out there. I mean, they grow rose and acres. And in Arizona, most of the roses that you would buy in the garden or the you know, the grocery store and everything, they come out of Glendale. So they're they're great. They're just not something that the typical homeowner, uh, maintenance and care wise and water wise, are they're, the most efficient. I'd say they're more labor intensive than a prickly pear. <laughs> Well, the, the cool thing about this garden is these are – And just about frustrating to prune. <laughs> yeah, right, right. Yeah, right. Um, so the, there's roses that date back to the pioneers that they had brought with them. And so they are a hardier um, variety. What is the one – the tombstone rose? Is that a Mary Banks rose? Do you I'll know? look it up. I don't Lady, know the variety. Lady, Lady, Lady Bank. Because Lady okay. they did have a, a big rose tree that I think was 
um, either Mary Banks or Lady Banks. Yeah, so in Tombstone, Arizona, the oldest living rose, which is uh, – it's actually the world's largest rose tree. And I'll find an actual variety here. <laughs> okay. Um, so that was fabulous, just the big rose garden. Now, how much time would you spend touring? It's going to take – from Metro Phoenix, it's going to take you an hour, hour and 15 minutes to get up there. How long will you spend touring? Well, again, I think you buy a membership. Okay. There's no way to take it all in. You know what else? They have bird watching. I saw – I got pictures. We can post them this week. I got a cardinal, like whack, right up close. And the coolest thing I got was a little baby hummingbird nest with two little babies. Their little heads were sticking oh, out. Cool I caught shot. that. I oh. caught that. Yeah. So lots of bird watchers like the areas as well. So it's a lot – it's very natural. It's very um, calming. It's very large. So you can – if you like to walk, you can walk for a long time. But if you don't, then you just go for shorter periods and go many times. So and, it was a rose cutting from Scotland where the woman that planted it was originally from. Uh, and it is a, a white lady bank rose. Sorry. Well, um, <laughs> they cut you off there following no, up to our no, previous. Yeah, no, that's right. That's right. <laughs> conversation. There's also something called the Wallace Rose Garden. And um, the Wallace Garden was actually just, they just finished. Um, a gentleman from northern, North Scottsdale donated, uh, his family donated this huge garden that he had, and he was also a copper um, magnet. And um, it took it, this 5,000 plants. It took him five years to get them all moved over, and they've just opened wow. it. And that's called the Wallace Garden within. So, I mean, you can keep yourself busy there all day. And, you know, as long as you're heading up there and we're trying to educate you about Arizona, I couldn't encourage you enough. Go on in a little bit farther and, and experience Gila County. It's, it can be kind of one of those overlooked counties in the state. But one of my uh, natural interests personally is I love hiking and I love finding archaeological discoveries. And uh, I particularly love finding the Native American ruins. And Gila County is full of them. Uh, uh, if you're going to take a run up to Boyce Thompson, uh, take take the morning and go see that. Run up through Globe, head down to Roosevelt Lake, and and go walk Tonto National Ruins. That's uh, absolutely uh, the Tonto National Monument. It was a beautiful hike through some ruins. A very well done state park. There's ruins right there in Globe, Miami area, um, that you can go see. So and Gary, didn't you and, say part of the Arizona Trails through there? Or close to there? Uh, it's close. Yeah. It's close. Mm -hmm. Runs right by Picket Post. Oh. I will say this about Boyce Thompson. Uh, my first visit there, I was just going to spend a couple of hours because I wanted to hike the old US-60 alignment, which is interesting, uh -huh. yeah. to the uh, original tunnel, which is pretty fascinating how two cars could fit on that road. But uh, what I was blown away by was the South American and the Australian exhibits at the Boyce Thompson uh, Arboretum. I saw plants that I didn't even know existed. <laughs> there, <laughs> you know, there is there is no doubt our creator has a, a wild imagination. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Do you know what a bujum tree is? Excuse me, bujum, bujum. Yeah, we both, covered it once yeah. on our talking trees. Yeah, both places have them, and they they come from California. So I thought, why don't we see more of them? But they're they're just the strangest looking things. It's like a cone with limbs sticking out. So I guess it's just not that pretty. <laughs> 
not, not not top of the the tree selection list when you're working on development. It's the outdoor living hour here at Rosie on the house. Are you feeling inspired? Are you in your car yet? hope you guys well, are I'm, making plans to go to the Botanical Gardens or their Arboretum. Jennifer and I have a little errand to run that's going to take us up to Pine Top Lakeside to pick something up on Sunday. Uh, and one day turn around, pick it up, and come back. So I am. I'm, I'm anxious to – we may go up through Salt River Canyon just, just so I can see what you saw. Uh-huh. Then we'll come home through Payson. But uh, you want to stop by and raft too while oh, you're at it. Maybe so. Maybe, yeah, Don't give yeah, him any ideas, uh, Gary. Uh, the the rafting, the salt could be a, a great springtime summer activity and this you, year. You've got probably another week and a half, but you better hit it right now because it's fast. And you know, Jennifer, a couple years ago, we stopped up by Saguaro Lake on the way home from Payson one day, and we harvested a couple cups of Palo Verde blossom because we were told they were edible. Uh, I'd love to hear from the listeners. Uh, I kind of like survival-type information. I like to think that I could step out onto the desert floor with a couple gallons of water and, and live for quite a while. I couldn't find a way to really enjoy the Palo Verde. <laughs> maybe, maybe we're missing something, but the blossoms are supposed to be edible right off the tree, and the pods are too in their, in the, uh, when they're young. They, they compare them to like a... A sweet pea. All right, we'll have to try again. Uh, okay, we'll have to try again. I'd love some tips from some of our listeners. What did Crocodile Dundee said when he was feeding that woman bugs? They, they taste awful, but you can live on them. Yeah, there <laughs> okay, you go. All right. You go. He, he pulled out his can of like beans or something that he was eating after he made her eat bugs. Yeah. <laughs> something like that. You can live something, off of it. You can live off of it. Other places to go and visit, you had, uh, I, we have talked about this. I think we just need to do it. And, uh, build out a site on our website. Places to go see great uh, zero scape gardens. Yeah, we should do that. You know, you mentioned all these great bot- botanical resources, but our uh, our colleges and universities, ASU Polytech campus in Mesa that was built over the old Williams Air Force Base. You can even see. I don't know if it's still there, but when I got to tour it a handful of years ago, there was actually still part of the runway left. That, where the campus hadn't quite completely redeveloped over it, but they, their zero scape through their entire uh, campus is just incredible. You know, go ahead. Was there more of that one? Not on Polytech, but yeah. uh, every, all three of our major universities have their own uh, arboretums too. U of A, ASU, NAU, they all, on their campus, oh. they all have designated arboretums as well. And another nice place to go is the Japanese Friendship garden right in, in downtown phoenix it's it's again stepping out of the city into this little pocket that's so peaceful you know a big pond and they have little classes and if you've ever driven under the deck park tunnel it's on top of you mm-hmm. <laughs> so you have to get out go around zigzag your way through all that strange roads and traffic and you know find your way to it but when you get there it is uh it's worth it Quite unique. Mm-hmm. And then another place I love is just 40th Street, just south of Shea. It's on the Resurrection Garden, Canaan in the Desert. It's uh, just fabulous. You, the, there's a little group of sisters there, nuns, that run it, and you can go in any time and just walk through the garden. It's gorgeous. And what was that app you were talking about? It, the one I was familiar with was Leaf Snap. But Picture this. Okay. And Get that I, one because the one I just mentioned out of Cambridge, 
developed it, and it doesn't know well, the desert at all. My docent yesterday, I suspected so, she was wrong, so I used my app, and I was I was right. Oh, <laughs> I didn't say anything. But I thought she was from I, Cambridge too. Is that yeah, what you said? I was like, are you sure she had a, kind and, of an Eastern accent? I thought. And oh. one more time. Picture this. Picture this. And there, I do pay for mine. It's thirty bucks a year, but Julia has the um, the free app. You can you can get it for free. But it also will tell you how to care for a plant. You can put it on there and diagnose it. And another app that you guys had talked about that I have um, used when you're out. Get the Merlin bird ID oh, as yeah. well because you can if you like what what bird is making yeah. that sound you can play open the app and it'll it, tell you it, I, every time I've used it, it it's it's awesome that's from Cornell University and it's awesome so now if you're getting out um, let me just give you all a heads up as families Arizona Game and Fish right now is warning people if you see a young wildlife. That seems to be abandoned. Leave it alone. It's not. Okay? There are a lot of young wildlife um, that are traumatized by people who think they're doing the the young animal a favor. Uh, Don't pick up young wildlife. And listen, granddaddies, papas, uncles, uh, if y'all want to do something special with your kids, there's a weekend coming up. For ages 6 to 17. It's the Arizona Elk Society. It's called the Wapiti Weekend. Wapiti is the Indian name for elk. And for 55 bucks for the entire weekend, they will teach your kids archery, kayaking, fishing, fly casting, wildlife identification, game calling, game tracking, gold panning, geocaching, hiking, orientation and about owl pellets where else could you learn about that so if you're interested in getting your kids out this is up at raymond ranch in parks arizona up in the cool country it's going to be the end of july perfect time of year to be up there and if you want to get your kids introduced to the arizona wildlife and flora and fauna this is a great way to do it limited opportunities people that go Sign up again over and over and over a year. It can be hard to get a ticket, but go to ArizonaElkSociety.org and click on to annual events. And it is an annual event, the Arizona Elk Society Wapiti Weekend. It is a fabulous thing to do with your kids, 6 to 17 years old. And Parks is just west of Flagstaff off of 40, so it's real easy access to get to that part of Arizona. Uh... One more time, the, the, it's the Elk Society. Arizona Elk Society. .org or what's dot the, org. Okay. Yeah. Arizona Elk Society.org. Wapiti Weekend. W A P I T I. Wapiti.